literally making history here at SelloutCrowd.com. The first ever episode of Mind Games with Garen Emig is on the air. I'm Garen Emig, host of the show, columnist, podcaster with SelloutCrowd.com. And my very special guest on episode one is Eli Letterman, longtime friend, longtime colleague. He's the OU beat writer for Sellout. Uh, Eli and I are going to do some deep thinking through to the, uh, the the name of the show. This will be the the idea moving forward. We'll expand on this as we do that, move forward. But first of all, thanks very much for tuning in. We do not take that for granted. We appreciate you uh, choosing us and uh, we'll uh, make it worth your while, I promise. First, Eli, by talking about, since you're here with me, the Sooners, mm-hmm. right? You've uh, you've got all sorts of good stuff coming to uh, sell out crowd readers. Uh, loading up all sorts of great content from your your work the last several weeks. Is there something I'll I'll, I'll begin with this? Is there something you were uh, either most proud of or that you'd really think readers would love to dive into that that you've written? Well, you've asked me for one, but I'm gonna over deliver, which I hope is a theme here. Give you two um, of the content we're gonna have on the site at launch. Which by the time you're listening to this, we will have launched. Selloutcrowd.com will be here. Uh, I've got stories on two really important newcomers for the Sooners. One of them, Jackson Arnold, the other, Desan McCullough, uh, who's going to play the cheetah position. And those are two stories of guys, you know, we'll see what kind of impact Jackson Arnold has in 2023. I think we know that Desan McCullough is going to play a pretty big role this year, but those are, to me, on, on either side of the ball, that those are two guys who are important, important to the operation this year, will be important to the operation moving forward. And, and with each of them, you know, I kind of got to go back to, to their high school careers. Jackson Arnold, obviously a freshman, only just getting on campus, but got to dive into what it was like the last time he was a backup, which was in 2020. Uh, he sat and he was, he was already getting calls from Nick Saban and folks at LSU and Ohio State and Jeff Levy was establish, establishing a relationship, uh, but he was a backup and that's the role he's going to be in at least to start this year. And then Desan McCullough, maybe in a similar vein, a, a role he played in high school was effectively the role he's playing now, this cheetah position, the do-it-all linebacker safety. So each story traces back um, into kind of the the background of of two really important newcomers to this team. And I'd like to think those will be two of the highlights as we get going with our OU coverage here. I'm glad you you mentioned your work. Uh, One of the things that I really want listeners and readers to to do moving forward here is to think about – the players and their, you know, what they do play to play at, at Owen Field on Saturdays, obviously that, that you got to win games, right? That's, no, that's the most important thing, but well, we don't want to sell these guys short as people. And I know that in the past you've written so many nuanced pieces, profiles, if you want to call them that, think, think pieces about the people uh, behind the player. That goes for coaches too. Uh, so anytime listeners to this show or readers of what you write and I write for Sellout Crowd, can think beyond, you know, seeing a guy on Saturday at Owen Field, then I think you're doing you're doing these guys a great service and a, and a big favor. You're doing yourself a favor as well. So good on you for that. I appreciate you uh, telling stories right out of the gate. Um, you, you mentioned two players who are going to be important at positions where fans tune to zero in on, right? Linebacker, middle of the defense, obviously quarterback in the case of Arnold, Dylan Gabriel, if, you, if you've gone that direction. I'm going to be Eli watching the line of scrimmage. I wrote a, a column this week about the importance of OU manning up on both the offensive and defensive lines a lot better and more consistently than they did a year ago. Brent Venables called his defense soft Tuesday at the press conference. That was the most important word he said in the 50 minutes he was behind the microphone because that drives Venables crazy given his background. 
And it tells a big story as to why OU went six and seven last year. The other thing is you don't just need that to change for the sake of this season. OU's last in the Big 12, but where they're headed next year, they can't get away with this even in the Big 12. Can you imagine what the SEC is going to do to them if they don't change soft to hard at the line of scrimmage? Garen, I'll ask you this. You were around during Brent's initial stint here as a, an offensive coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't there at, at Clemson when he got there, but when do you think the last time is that Brent Venables felt he had a defense that was soft? Would it have been any of those years early on in the Stoops era? Uh, yeah, I, upon arrival, mm-hmm. I think the, the program was soft. I think Bob Stoops, Mike Stoops, Jerry Schmidt, the strength coach then, the strength coach now, all thought that was the main issue. If they if they if they'd put a checklist of things to change the first three weeks they were on campus, gosh, it would have been even maybe the end of 98, just beginning of 99, that mentality and that, that physical, pre- the mentality and the physical presence was sleepy, soft, whatever you want to call it. That's the most obvious example. I think there was some of that when Brent got to Clemson, right? That's why Dabo Sweeney brought him yeah. there. So I, I think you go back to maybe that year at Clemson, but if you, but for OU standards, I think you go all the way back to to where it began nearly 25 years ago. Well, and that's where there's parallels. I'm sure there's certainly plenty of folks who will be at Memorial Stadium Saturday who would tell you uh, maybe, uh, you know, little revisionist history, but that the program had gotten soft before Brent Venables arrived. And Brent Venables, I think, would tell you, as he did, that, you know, the, the team he arrived to was softer than he'd like. But in that, you mentioned those first three weeks back in, in what, 99, 2000 mm-hmm. with Bob Stoops. I think about something Todd Bates told me in uh, in August last month about when they got here, he felt like the cupboards were bare, particularly on 300 pounders. He said, we got here and we maybe had three guys we felt could do it. And realistically, guys who were really going to play, there's probably only one 300 pounder on the defensive line. It's an arbitrary number, but big bodies matter, especially when we're talking about the SEC. And a year later, Todd Bates, you know, he, they feel good about what they have. They've got five to seven 300 pounders they are bigger up front and and that's just one small small way of looking at how this defense and this program is bigger maybe tougher we'll find out but maybe better positioned than they were a year ago and if you want to make the correlations between the early days of the stoops era and the early days of the venables era those are good markers to follow given where uh where things went there in in the years that followed for bob stoops when i guested uh, on your show the letterman jacket uh, a little bit earlier this week, we focused on on OU strictly. That will be the case moving forward. You and I are going to be together a lot on this uh, platform, which which we're very excited about. When when I'm on the, the jacket, uh, it'll be a lot of OU driven content and, and conversation. Uh, by the end of by Thursday, when when we're taping this, and by the end of the week, the focus tends to be a little broader. Uh, my my focus is going to be a little broader as a columnist. So if you don't mind, I'd like to take you beyond the Sooners. Let's do it and, and talk a little bit about the big 12 conference. I thought the most accurate thing Mike Gundy said not to turn this into an OSU show. We'll, we'll need the Hutchins twins for that. Uh, but, yes, that's right. You remember Mike, right? Once upon <laughs> a time, that that's was your beat. Time. That was your beat. He said something in August that was, I, I think, spot on. No one knows what's going to happen in the big 12. There was, the question was about OSU being picked where they were in the poll preseason poll. And a lot of people would say, would use, nobody knows what's really going to happen as a deflection because OSU's pick wasn't very favorable. Gundy wasn't probably wild about it. 
the knee jerk is that's just a deflection from a coach who feels bad about where his team was picked. I thought it was just a, a kernel of truth. No one knows, Eli, what's going to happen in this league anymore, right? So even though Texas is the darling of August in terms of who's going to win this league, uh, Texas Tech seems to be the uh, everyone's Cinderella as a team to watch out for. I don't think that matters, right? Because look who's played for Big 12 championships the last two years, Baylor and OSU in 2021, and then K-State and TCU a year ago. I sense something similar brewing this season. What what say you? Or is this going to be OU Texas on their way out the door? Well, I think the very best thing that could happen to the Big 12, a lot of good things have happened to the Big 12 in the last couple of years in terms of saving the entire conference and going from seemingly like the one that was going to die off to now maybe the third most powerful. But in general, I think the best thing that this conference can have for the future is wonkiness and weirdness and kind of everything it's had the last couple of years. That to me is like the best advertisement for the Big 12 going forward. And it may persist again this year because I don't think we know a thing. You know, Texas, we wouldn't call them unexpected, but at this point they would be fresh, a fresh team in the Big 12 title game because it's been so long since they've been there. And I don't think there's any guarantees. You might look at it today and say, well, it might be the two departing members who go out and win it. But you would have said, you know, a year ago or two years ago, uh, you might have had Oklahoma showing up there. They haven't been. You might have said Texas. Uh, A year ago, you might have looked at Oklahoma State and said they're going to go back. Wasn't even close. And so I I think this is as wide open as it's been the last few years. I I think, as you said, Texas Tech, kind of the hot, trendy pick for, for that up and comer. Maybe they'll be that. I think TCU, I mean, the last time we saw them, they were getting smoked in a national title game, and they certainly lost a lot. But this time last year, we didn't think much of them. And That's right. And, you know, if Sonny Dykes really has this, you know, whatever magic he's got, who's to say they won't be there again this year? K-State, only been on the up the last few years. So it's wide open. Again, I think that's maybe the best advertisement for this conference. Can one of those newcomers in year one make any kind of push? I'm a little skeptical. But – Every other conference, you, you look at the Big Ten and you're, you're talking about probably three teams. And, yep. and we can debate how seriously we're even talking about Penn State at this point on track record of being able to beat the big dogs there. The SEC, I think we have a pretty good sense. The Big 12, wide open. And, you know, out here, I, I guess it's, it's no longer just out west. It's out real west now with Utah and, <laughs> and some of these other schools they're going to add. But it's a bit of a wild west. It's a term Mike Gundy likes. And I, I think that serves the conference well. And it means we're in for hopefully – another treat this fall shows called mind games uh, uh this will be my first attempt to blow minds how about you including how about yours that? including yours that's good tcu to win the big 12 i like it um i don't think anyone's gone there a lot of texas tech gaining momentum k-state getting some play because of will howard's return right at quarterback and chris mm-hmm. Kleiman figuring things out ou even has as much of a right i think on paper to claim a place at jerry world but i how about TCU? The, I, I forget they didn't win the Big 12, Eli. Yeah. I have to remind myself that they played for a national championship and went undefeated up until reporting to Jerry World where they lost to K-State. I have to remind myself that Kansas State is a defending Big 12 champ. So I'm going TCU just because why not? You took my pick. That wasn't cool. Yeah, well, you weren't going to pick TCU. Well, you'll never know now. I can say that and say you took it, and then we'll both either look great or we'll have egg on our face. Been, you and I have embarrassed ourselves plenty before. We're not afraid of that. You're going you're gonna to pick Missouri. 
Well, about ten years ago, uh, well, oh, not ten. You pick, you're picking ago. Missouri. To, you're picking Missouri to win the Pac-12 this year. You, you pick, any question about who's going to win what? Eli Letterman answers Mizzou. MIZ. The Tigers have an outside shot at the Champions League this year. I don't know. They could. Who's to say? God, this is my fault for even introducing the possibility. All right, real quick. You have any idea about the college football playoff? I've, I've got four teams. I don't know if you've landed on four teams yet, but. Oh, man. Well, I, I mean, here's four. Here's four. I got this part right last year. The only two that I got right were the two from the Big Ten. I, I tried to talk everyone into believing that Michigan and Ohio State would, would go to the playoff. I got that part right. I blew the other two. So let's go there again this year. How about Michigan and Penn State instead of Ohio State out of the Big Ten? How about Washington, not USC, out of the pack, and LSU, not Georgia or Alabama, out of the SEC? Because boring doesn't work for me in August. So mm. that's, I don't believe I've seen that quartet. Just a pretty good quick reaction to any of that? What do you think? I like it. I'm, I am not totally bought in on Ohio State. And it's a little bit funny. I mean, they've probably got the best receiving core, not only in the nation, but like of the last, uh, I don't know, we, we, when you start saying the last five years, you hit, until we stop hitting that LSU team, all those kind of statements have to be checked. But they have so much talent, but I'm just not convinced. I mean, speaking of old friends, Jim Knowles, are they going to get that defense right? I'm skeptical of yeah. Ohio State. I'm also skeptical of Penn State, kind of until we see them do it. But I like the Michigan pick. Uh the Washington pick I loved until there were a couple camp injuries there that concerned me, but gosh, the pack, the final act, I guess, of the, the pack, whatever it's going to be, uh, could be really dang good. Cause there, it's going to be a great conference. You've got Utah. I think Washington's going to be really good. I don't think USC is going to be able to run through it the way they did a year ago. Um, and the LSU pick intriguing. They knocked on the door. They got a Heisman contender in Daniels. I like it. I'll give you mine. Georgia's going to be there despite kind of all that's going on around there. And the fact that I don't think they're going to miss out at least on a shot at the three Pete. Mm -hmm. I think you'll see Michigan there. Mm -hmm. The hot pick out of the ACC is who Florida state, right? Yep. And that's Monday night, right? Against LSU. Correct. Well, give me Clemson. I'll take Clemson oh, Okay, for once, not the, the heralded team this time. That's of year. actually a surprise pick now. Yeah. And they, uh, I don't think they've lost as much as people think, you know, last year was a down year and they still won the ACC mm -hmm. and they've probably got things figured out a bit better at quarterback. I, I think they, they rebound a bit and then I won't go against Alabama. I, I do this every year, but I won't pick against Nick Saban. So that's where it gets okay. not all that appealing. It would be pretty remarkable for the PAC 12 to be as good as I think it's going to be mm -hmm. and then get shut out. But what really might be the case is they may cannibalize each other. Yeah. Uh, you might have, you know, USC making its run and it, it gets undercut sort of like it did last year with, with Utah. And I wonder if, if they're all going to go after each other. But that I'm less interested in the SEC. I'm less interested in the ACC than I am in the Pac-12 this year because I think it's going to be a, a blast. Okay. Some late night football. We should enjoy it while we can, I guess. I guess the games will still be late when they're all playing in different conferences. But um, Pac-12 after dark is gone. So we better better savor it. That's a topic for for mind games at some point. Okay, let's let's finish with exit questions. Uh, have a little fun with uh, with something. Well, the first one actually is borderline fun. I want you to name one game you're going to keep an eye on outside of the one you're covering for sellout. Uh, that's the Sooners opener against Arkansas State. Anything on the on your radar this weekend across the country? 
TCU's got to start sending us like residuals or something because they're getting a lot of play here. But that TCU-Colorado game really intrigues me. On one end, kind of what we've already hit on, a lot of folks writing off TCU as like a one-season wonder. I'm not convinced. And so I'm really intrigued to see them. And then Colorado is going to be yeah. the you know a, an attraction all year long. Deion Sanders, what does it look like? You know, more so than anyone has done before. I mean, you could even point to OU last year and, and what they did in terms of overhauling a roster. Nobody has played the roster management game quite like Deion Sanders did this year. And I say that neutrally, not, you know, whatever fake controversy there was with Brent Venables taking a shot at Deion. I say that nobody has, has overhauled like they've overhauled. So yep. I'm interested and man, can you imagine the hype that'll be around it if they go into halftime and they're down like seven or even tied <laughs> or up a couple points, we're going to be talking. I've got some friends in Boulder. Yeah. We're going to be talking national title buffs. Uh, yeah if they go into halftime and that, that's what I'm most excited for college football overhyped reactions. They're, they're back. They're that's back. right. What about you? What, what, what intrigues you this week? Uh, give me, give me West Virginia, Penn state for two reasons. Again, I'm, I'm taking a flyer on the Nittany lions to get in the playoff, which means uh, the new quarterback, everyone else is in place. I'm not sure about the quarterback because no one's seen the quarterback drew Aller. I think that's how you pronounce the kid's last name is the new guy under center for James Franklin. I want to see how he plays. And then a coach that I really like, but really worry about, is uh, Neil Brown there at West Virginia, maybe the hottest seat in the country? Could probably use to at least be could probably stand to be at least competitive in that game against Penn State. For it's his funny you mentioned Neil Brown's job security. I was going to ask you, yeah. does he make it to mid October? I I think he makes it. He might actually get the season in, but I don't know about after that. Well, I, I, I pick mid October is just this trend. I think it yeah. really started in twenty twenty one. Of if you're done, they're not letting you wait until nope. December anymore. Nope. Who are getting the axe early. They are hiring that search firm. Yep. And uh, they're getting someone else in there to, uh, the, you can have a babysitter, someone to see out those games that suddenly, I guess, don't matter. But they're going to have a coach in there to get that recruiting class right. Yep. I worry about Neil. Um, all right. Oklahoma has an official craft beer for the first time, I believe, in history. The Sooners unveiled it for the media Tuesday. Sooner Schooner, All American Ale. We both sampled it. I, you sampled it, right? Oh, right? we sampled plenty. It was a healthy sampling. I didn't say plenty. Not too much. Not too much but we we want this to be at least out of the gate a family show, Eli? We sampled. We sampled. That's okay, all. Our friends, our friends at Coop Ale Works put, put the time and energy into putting this thing out. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's be honest. Oh, it's got a thumbs up for me. Okay. Smooth, right. drinkable, light. I think you and I, we tend to drink different beers than this, but if I'm drinking like a nice, light, yeah. Beer. I don't know what else I'd want from this. So I, I was I was a fan. I've got it. In fact, see that right there in the corner? There it is. Display. It's on display. Boom. There it is. Now you're seeing the full home studio. I agree. Thumbs up. Good work by uh, by Coop. Good work by uh, the Sooners to get this thing in gear. I, I think it might have been one of the last Power 5 teams to get an official craft beer. So at least they, 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 they might have come late to the party, but they landed hard. And, and bullseye. That's good stuff. All right. Finally, we're not going to make any secrets about this. If you're reading the picture above your shoulder there, you've already figured it out, but you are diehard Tottenham fan soccer. Mm. We're, we're going to cover soccer. You just know this up front, friends. We're going to cover some soccer ground. Last thing I'm going to ask your emotions when you see Harry Kane suit up for Bayern Munich in one word. Bittersweet. Happy for him. I guess this is not no longer one word. Happy for him but it hurts. I think I told you the other day, it feels a bit like watching. Yeah. It's not this, but a former star playing in MLS or something, it hurts. And so yeah. uh, 
bittersweet is the word, but happy to see him still scoring goals. As a Borussia Dortmund fan, doesn't make me very happy either that Harry Kane is on Bayern. There's going to be a day or two this year where he tears your heart out, and it's not going to feel good. It's great to be on it for about a decade, be on that end of it, and uh, now no longer. At least Spurs aren't in Europe. They can't... uh, They can't run into Harry Kane right now. <laughs> hey, it's a pleasure doing this with you weekly, my friend. Uh, we'll, we'll be back again next week. I'll come on the Letterman Jacket. You'll come on Mind Games. We'll have a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll get people to think. Certainly, we want people to enjoy this. You can catch uh, any of the sellout crowd shows, including Mind Games with Garen Emig on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, of course, the home site, the mothership, selloutcrowd.com. Enjoy the football, folks. Enjoy what we put out at selloutcrowd.com. And tune in next week as we bring you more with Eli and Garen on Mind Games.